Bible studies show. Whoa! What up is Ruth? And she fell on her face. Oh no! <laughs> okay, so she and Ruth are kicking it in Bethlehem to come unto a people. Oh my which god! Without the Lord. So she's like, "Don't text him. Wash thyself, therefore." And anoint thee. I'm surprised. Because it's weird. Good thing I have the whole Bible memorized. You know, the thing is, one should never rush a margarita. But I did, and we're paying the price in <laughs> immediate heartburn. I heard you in the kitchen. I was like, oh, she went for the tequila. She's making something. <laughs> yeah. Isabel, do not. Do not! Are you recording right now? She just unplugged my... Hold on. God. She just unplugged my headphones. Speaking of fuckery. (laughs) Okay, as the sugar is getting in here, this is much better than I thought. Hello, and welcome to Bible-ish, the podcast where we tell Bible stories. I'm Lily. I'm Angela. And neither of us are religious experts, but we aren't here to tell you a moral. We are here to tell you a story. At Bible-ish, we serve up equal parts epic tale summary and drunk (laughs) literary analysis. We are not here to preach, so get ready to hear these stories in a brand new way. Also, we don't do these stories in order, but if you'd like to access a full list of our episodes, you can find them on our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Our patrons are truly incredible people who keep this show going, and we thank everyone who supports us every month. And this week is the The end end of of Judges. judges. (laughs) Judges. Oh, someday you're going to be off script, and that will be a day, Angela. That will be a day. (laughs) You know, it's aspirational. (laughs) Now that I've insulted you, can I just say one thing about myself? That's a quote. (laughs) That's a Sagittarius moment. (laughs) By all means, please. Go ahead. I wanted to say, for the record, Ephraim. (laughs) (laughs) A moment of silence. Pour one out for Ephraim. (laughs) It is a region of the promised land uh, that we will be discussing today. And I will say something else. I'll say say five other pronunciations, but I just want you to know that I said it this one time. Okay. Ephraim. You said it twice. I did. (laughs) Good. Take a drink, Lily. Good job. (laughs) Anyway, this week. Spicy. Deserves another can. So, before we begin, I have a question for you, Angela. What, Lily? But guess what, what? (laughs) 
even a question from me. This question comes to us from one of our listeners. Abby emailed us. Abby, if you are listening, we just want to thank you for reaching out. We love hearing from our listeners. And the fact that, A, I do not have to think of a question this week, and B, it's a question one of our listeners actually wants to hear an answer to, (laughs) is really awesome. So thank you, Abby. That's so cool. I know. So they wanted to know who the Bible's most wanted is. The worst of the worst. And we loved this idea so much that we're going to make it a running theme. For now, we'll only be naming people we have covered so far on our podcast. But if we meet someone later who we feel deserves to snatch the wig and take the crown, we will update (laughs) We will update that list. Sounds good. I'm sure we are not done with terrible characters yet. Oh, we're not. (laughs) This is an interesting question because it's somewhat objective. If you ask Dante, he'll tell you Judas is the worst. He sits with Satan in the depths of hell. But if you want to get technical, Judas only indirectly killed one person. It was a really big, important person. But meanwhile, you have someone like Joshua leveling cities full of women and children, both directly and indirectly. So how do you quantify this? King Herod was most definitely a piece of shit killing a bunch of babies, but so was Pharaoh from the beginning of Exodus. Yeah. Pharaoh, from the story of Passover, wasn't so great either. But he let his people suffer and die because God hardened his heart. Mm -hmm. So is that blood truly on his hands if he was not in control? And speaking of God, he has a body count of 2 million 38,344 men, women, children, and flood not included. Whereas Satan has a staggering 10. So if we're judging by body count, ruthlessness, and destruction... Well, he would take the cake for sure, but we will still honor your question about the other Bible characters. We just felt we had to mention that because here at Bibleish, we treat God just like anybody else in this book. So, Angela. Lily. Who is on your Bible's most wanted list? Look, first of all, those were really good choices that you just said. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but mine are a bit. We haven't covered them yet. Except for the pharaohs. Then a whole lot of God. Mine are a little more personal. Um, for my nominations, one, Joseph's brothers. 
pushing him in a hole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you were so upset by that. I was Understandably, so... but you... I was so upset, especially Ruben. You didn't even... You could not even fathom that they were selling him and not his cloak. <laughs> they put him in a hole. They, they put him in a hole. Rude. On the most wanted list. Especially <laughs> looking at you, Ruben. Also, little lying thief from Joshua tooted the flugelhorn of Trenton. Akon. 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 Not the rapper. Um, he really messed things up for people when he decided to get a little too big for his soldier britches and swipey swipe a bunch of stuff and not tell anyone. And then God was like, (laughs) you do dislike thieves and liars. And he was a thief liar. Yeah. Lily. Who's on your most baddest people list. I hate saying this because I actually really like this character. But he did kill a huge number of people. 81,050 if you want something more exact. Damn. He was murderous, destructive, manipulative, and his name was David. Mm. That's right. Our little cheese boy grew up to be a Viking raider. That's true. That's true. Sounds very Minnesotan. (laughs) (laughs) Or Wisconsinan. No, they're not the same. (laughs) How to make a Minnesotan man. 101. Although his story is one of my favorites, I cannot ignore all the blood and foreskin on his hands. No. Oh, no. Did some of the things he did upset me? Sure. Did they keep me up at night? No. But you know what did? Amnon. The guy who pretended to be ill... So he could rape and then abandon his own sister, Tamar. Oh, God. Although no one died, that's the kind of behavior that will get you on the list for me. Yeah. 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 Top contender. Top contender. So, so far, Akon, Amnon, and David. And Reuben and all those lousy brothers. And the pharaohs. Yeah. And God. (laughs) That is who is on our list. And thank you again for your question, Abby. All right. This is going to be, it's going to be good. This is going to be a just fun, 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 fun time for everyone. For this episode, we will be talking about the end of Judges. As many of our listeners know, I love this book. Judges and Kings are my go-to for juicy Bible stories. 
but I have been avoiding this particular portion of judges like the plague. <laughs> like the plague. <laughs> like the plague, if you will. One of our listeners actually reached out to us to warn us about this chapter. And yeah, it was warranted. It's a disgusting chapter that is absolutely a trigger warning for anyone who is a survivor of sexual assault. But let me just say, I know how serious and damaging it is. Angela knows how serious and damaging it is. And we are going to handle this subject with the delicacy and attention that it deserves. This story is also meant to be shocking and terrible for reasons I'll get into later once you understand the context. Yeah. Now, let's get into it. Because I could go on and on to avoid this story, but that's what <laughs> all of us are here for. You know how I like to say I'm putting a bow on books in the Bible we're finishing? Yeah. Well, this is the bow for the book of Judges, which we will now conclude. Only this isn't a bow. It's more like a tangled ball of barbed wire. Hmm. Quick reminder to our listeners, because this episode does deal with the subject of rape, the Bible has taught us that if you are raped, you are required to scream. If you are in a populated area and no one hears you, you were not raped. Gags existed. Putting one's hand over a mouth existed. But that was the law, nonetheless. If you didn't scream, or you did and no one heard you, you were never raped. That is biblical law. If we are to truly bind the church and state here in America, it will not look how people who wish for that to happen think it will look. My student loans would have been forgiven in 2018, which would have been nice, but not at all a worthwhile trade for the rest of the requirements. Now a recap of Judges. It takes place during the time when the judges ruled. Duh. Moses was managing the exile in the desert rather poorly. Jethro showed up and was like, this is too much for one man. So Moses appointed judges. Died after passing his role to Joshua. Joshua got his people to the promised land, claimed it, and divided the land among the tribes of Israel. When he died, the representative of God was gone. The judges were like, well, guess we'll try to hold the fort down. And that's the book. We've got battles. We've got Shamgar and his ox goad, Deborah, Lil Gideon and his 300 weirdos, Abimelech, Jephthah, Samson with the good hair, Micah the cowpoke, and now this f***ing thing we're going to tell you. <laughs> Before I start, 
I refuse to tell the story of this woman without naming our female lead. With everything she's about to go through, she has earned a name at the very least. So instead of saying the Levite's concubine, I will be calling her Anat, a Hebrew name, which means to sing. It's hard to fully explain the position of concubines in the Bible. There isn't too much on the subject aside from he had one. <laughs> they or were more. second <laughs> or more or a lot. Yeah. They were secondary wives. And in this story, the father of the concubine is referred to as father-in-law of the Levite. So there must have been some expectations when it came to duty and decorum for both parties. So this Levite man, who we will also name, he can be Craig. Craig. A, <laughs> he's Craig. Not Jeffy. He had a concubine named Anat. No one knows what led to the dispute they had. One translation says she was unfaithful. Another says they had a fight. Another says she was big mad. I am somewhat skeptical of the claim of infidelity because she ends up leaving him. And whatever happened, she left and went to her father's house. If it was infidelity, I wonder why she wouldn't go to her alleged lover's house. But she takes off travels from the little remote hill town Craig lived in in Ephraim <laughs> back home to her father's house in Bethlehem. That trip was not nothing either. If she walked down modern day Route 444 to Route 443, that's a 19-hour trip. If she just took modern day Route 60, that's 22 hours. And they obviously didn't exist then. So it probably took longer than that. Real big mad. Whatever it was. That's <laughs> she, all, that's she all I'm saying. a long <laughs> walk to cool off. A uh, no return trip walk down the street. Yeah. After she stormed out and didn't return... Craig grabbed two donkeys, a young male servant of his, and set out after her. He eventually arrived in Bethlehem, where he was welcomed into his father-in-law's home. First of all, it's considered rude to not take someone in. Second of all, his daughter does belong to Craig. She is his property. Third of all, it would be very hard for him to sell his daughter off into a new situation because she is already sort of married and also not a virgin. Just have to state that to anyone wondering why her dad wasn't meeting him on the front porch with a shotgun. These were different times. Yeah. <laughs> so Craig shows up and Annette is visibly not excited to return with him which he tries to get her to do immediately. But her dad thinks that's ridiculous. Craig and his servant just got here. They must be hungry. They must be tired. 
Why not leave tomorrow? Craig and his servant are pretty hungry and tired, so they stay the night. The next morning, they pack up to leave, but Annette's father is like, what, without breakfast? That's just irresponsible. It's the most important meal of the day. <laughs> you should have breakfast and then leave. After breakfast, they get talked into staying for lunch, then dinner, then invited to stay the night again. This goes on for days. I think he just was happy to see his daughter. Exactly. Mm. While researching the story, I was trying to find the symbolic significance for the delay, and I could not find one. Then I felt stupid because, like you said, that's her father. He was like, oh, yes, my little girl. Maybe I can just trick them into staying a little longer. Because he knows she isn't happy. Yeah. He knows she doesn't like living in Craig's household in his tiny mountain village. Maybe there's no significance to it at all outside of the fact that that's her dad. And he wants to protect her. He wants to keep her there as long as he can because Craig can't pull whatever shit he pulls in his own household while he's there. And his daughter is safe and happy at home. Yeah. Eventually, Craig started to get annoyed and when he was offered dinner for the fifth time he accepted but said that they'd have to leave right after to travel in the night his father asked yes says Craig we've delayed our journey too long as it is we will be leaving right after dinner so they do Craig has his young male servant pack up the donkeys and they leave Bethlehem right after dinner Soon it becomes dark because, of course. Because that's how days work. <laughs> that's how days work, Craig. You idiot. You left at a stupid time of day, Craig. Yeah. His male servant says it would be in their best interest to pack it in somewhere. Find a place to rest for the night so they are not out on the road in the dark. And Craig's servant is relieved when he agrees. Good, his servant says. There's a city of Jebusites nearby. We will get there before dark. Craig grimaces. That's a city of aliens, he spits. They are not Israelites, and I do not trust them. We will walk on to Gabeah, where the Benjamites live. So they did and approached the city just as the sun had set. They walked through the streets until they made it to the square where they sat down to see if anyone walking by would be willing to take them in, but no one was. Eventually, an old man was making his way home from the fields and passed by them. Wait a second, he says. Are you from Ephraim? What are the chances? So am I. I came here for work. What the heck are you guys doing out here so late? Well, Craig began, we were waiting to see who would take us in for the night, but no one has stopped. It's like they think we are beggars. Would a beggar have two donkeys? Double donked up. 
Would a beggar be double donked with a servant <laughs> and a concubine? I don't think so. We also have all the food and drink we will be consuming, so we desire nothing but shelter. Well, the old man replied, you do indeed need shelter. You shouldn't be just sitting out here in the square like this, and you definitely shouldn't be here overnight. You may come home with me to sleep under my roof. So they did. The servant tied up and fed the donkeys, and a nap began to unpack the bread and wine for their dinner that night. Once they were all gathered round the table, there was a banging on the door. Some of the men of Kabia had seen them out in the square, and now they were gathered outside of this old man's home demanding they bring out the young male servant they had seen in the square so they can have sex with him. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. These are my guests, the old man cried out. Please do not do such a thing. Inside, I have a virgin daughter. Let me bring her out to you. There's also a concubine here that you may have, but whatever you do, do not dishonor my guests by doing such a vile thing. Angela's just shaking her head because <laughs> I don't have to say what we're all thinking. A is a guest. Yeah. But she's a woman and they are property, not people. The shouting and banging grew in volume and everyone inside became afraid. Craig stood up, grabbed a gnat by the arm, and shoved her out of the door. She whipped around to run back inside, but he had closed it in her face. She put her hands against the wood, willing it to swallow her back inside but that is when she heard and felt the heavy bar latch thunk down from the inside of the door. She was locked out. Suddenly, there were hands on her, pulling her away, dragging her across the ground as she kicked, cried out, and begged God to make it stop. It would not. Annette was raped that night. The whole night by multiple people. As I said before in the beginning, biblical law states that if you are raped, you are required to scream. I'm sure she did. And it is my wish that all who were inside that home heard it. I hope the old man's virgin daughter heard it and knew that that is what her father almost let happen to her. I hope the male servant heard it and knew it was not only what he was saved from, but that that is the sort of savagery women are expected to shoulder in his stead. I hope the old man heard it and felt guilt, felt the wild eyes of his daughter on him, and I hope Craig heard it. I hope he heard it every night after that. 
I hope her cries woke him from his sleep when he was lucky enough to get it, and I hope that her screams echoed into the rest of his sorry, pathetic life. I can't imagine what it must have been like for a gnat. I don't want to, but to tell this story, I have to. She must have been thinking, where is the fire? Where is the brimstone? This has happened before. All those stories we've been told, the one about Lot and his daughters, surely this city is wicked in the eyes of the Lord, but this city is full of his people, my people. I am their sister, their daughter. How could this be happening? No one can scream forever. Soon her voice was gone. Then the men were gone, or so she thought she couldn't see very well. She had been crying and beaten into submission. Once she heard no one around her, she crawled back to the place she had been dragged from. The next morning, Craig opened the door, and there on the threshold was a gnat, with her hands up against the door frame, still willing it to swallow her inside. Get up, let's go, he said. But there was no answer. A gnat was dead. Craig had his male servant pick her up and load her body onto a donkey. They went straight home to Ephraim, and once he got there... Sorry, this doesn't get better. Once he got there... He cut her body up into 12 pieces. Then he had a piece sent out to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's a, that's a, that's cool. That's a cool way to handle that. But does it also seem familiar to you, Angela? Yeah, but not with a person's body parts. Not with a person. No, we have seen this done before in Bible-ish because later Saul will do something similar with pieces of ox, if you recall. It will be very effective when he does it and it is very effective here too. What's bothersome though, I mean, other than all the things I just said, yeah, aside from all those... All, like, everything, mm-hmm. um, is that it is condemning, or in Saul's case, threatening, the destruction of proper. Yeah. It's not so much a look-what-they-did-to-her statement as it was a look-what-they've-done-to-me display. Yeah. Look-what-they-did-to-my-stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. Everyone just breathe and stretch. Everyone just take a moment. Drink. Smoke them if you got them. Ugh. It's just a little bow. <laughs> it's just like a, just putting a nice bow on it. Each tribe of Israel receives a part of a net. And they are pretty shook. Quote, Such a thing 
has never been seen or done, they all say after opening the package. Nothing since the day the Israelites came up out of Egypt. Think about it. Consider it. Tell us what to do. End quote. Jesus. Think about it. Think about it. Consider it. Here I am. <laughs> God. Uh, just to explain this quote real quick. They were so very poorly behaved when they left Egypt. Took them about 40 years to figure their shit out. And now they are seeing their own people revert back to these actions they worked so hard to distance themselves from. The book of Judges is a mess because it is supposed to be a mess. Their leader is gone. Moses is gone. Joshua is gone. Only the judges remain. And this whole book is supposed to represent their struggle to stay on the path of righteousness without this unifying person, someone they can look up to who can act as a representative between them and their God. The absence of that type of character is made to be felt in this book. And it's all culminating to this story. This is the climax. This is the moment when they begin to see there needs to be a person who unites them in their tribal structure. Soon, Samuel, who we've discussed, will come on the scene to play that role. But he looks out at this vast land they've conquered and all these settled people. And he says, um, God, I think we need a king. Because this whole prophet thing you've been doing, like, worked until it didn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like an interesting experiment. Like, when we were all, like, together it worked. But now that we're all, like, separated in this vast land we've conquered, like, maybe it won't. I don't yeah. know. I My two cents is a, you know. <laughs> what do I know here on earth as a human, you know? <laughs> I know water was a big stretch for you, but I have another request. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this story is shocking and terrible because it's supposed to be shocking and terrible, but it breaks a personal storytelling rule for me. And that is rape should not ever be used purely for shock value. Yeah. I hate seeing it in television and I hate seeing it portrayed in movies because it is triggering. There is a way to show it without actually showing it and just showing it is not only poor storytelling, but completely insensitive to both the subject matter as well as a large percentage of those who consume the content. So rape is not a <gasps> plot device. It's character development and should be treated that way. Please and thank you. 
Yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things that to me speaks volumes about like the director and or writer of a thing, depending on how it's treated. And it's a major red flag to be about who they are as a person. Yes. Just saying. It is for me as well. Yeah. Scribes. <laughs> anyway, UPS shows up with Jesus Christ. <laughs> UPS shows up with every tribe's package. They open it and they're like, oh dear God, what is this? The Benjamites, on the other hand, open it and were probably like, "Uh uh-oh. Oopsies. Now, if you're wondering who got the packages, I'll tell you. So you know how the Danites were named after Dan, for example? Yeah. Whoever is the closest descendant of Dan, the head of that household is the representative of that tribe. Okay. The representative isn't necessarily a tribal leader, though. That has to be stated because the rest of the story will make less sense if I don't say that. I mean, because they're all getting this package, right? And they're all reacting to it. And they're about to have a meeting about it. And you're going to be wondering, why aren't the Benjamites at the meeting when they got a, you know, the same package everyone else did? That's why. think about it package. <laughs> think about it. From thinkaboutit.com. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay. So like Donald Jr. Is yes. opening it. Being like, yes. What? Uh-oh. Damn the six. Yeah. <laughs> so they all show up to this meeting about the package they've all received <laughs> with 400,000 armed men because this is a shit's probably going to go down situation. The leaders ask Craig why they all received body parts in the mail. And Craig tells them that the Benjamites wanted to murder him, but ended up raping his concubine who died, which is, you know, true enough for the situation at hand. I guess, but like, they also didn't. I know. We know. We okay. know. He's we being a liar. saw what happened. He's being a shitty liar. The leaders were appalled and stated that they will not be returning home until this is dealt with. They would gather even more men and supplies from all the tribes in the area and deal with Gabiyah for all of the vileness they inflicted on their people. So all these men are going from town to town to gather people and supplies. Whenever they come across a Benjamite, they're like, oh, you're a Benjamite? You better turn over anyone you know from Gabia because they are in big trouble. The Benjamites did not do this. They stayed loyal to their tribe and would not return anyone from Gabia over to them. Not only that, they built a defense of 26,000 men. The Bible felt it was also important to note that among the soldiers, there were 700 chosen men who were left-handed, each (laughs) of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. And that's H-A-I-R, not (laughs) H-A-R-E. Yeah. 
Now, this is serious. Not the left-handed rock people. I mean, (laughs) the civil war that's about to occur. I don't want that to be overshadowed by the seriousness of what happened previously. And that's why rape is a bad plot device. This is a civil war, which is unheard of. Before the Israelites gained the promised land, they were, for the most part, united. They suffered together. They shared victories together. They gave what little they had so the whole of them could survive. This is a catastrophe. A nation of people who share a culture that they feel has been tainted by their own kind. The division is stronger than it has ever been. The tension is thick because their shared ideal is no longer physically present. It's the perfect storm. So I've done in-depth battles before, but for the sake of time, I'm going to uber summarize. If you'd like to hear a similar in-depth battle, you can listen to Joshua Blue, the full fugal flugel. Joshua blew it. You can <laughs> listen to Joshua Blue, the flugel horn of Trenton. So here's what happened. Israel attacked the Benjamites and lost. The Benjamites inflicted heavy casualties. Their defense was strong. Probably all those left-handed rock throwers. Yes. Splitting hairs and heads. <laughs> they were somewhat confused by this as they thought they were in the right. They prayed to God and God said, all right, all right, attack them again. So they did, and they lost even more men. They were devastated and desperate. They fired up God's barbecue to make burnt offerings, sacrifices, fellowship offerings. They prayed to God, begging him for a sign, a victory, anything. Weren't they right? Wasn't what had been done a sin? All right, all right, said God again. Tomorrow you will have your victory. The next day they did the same thing they did in Jericho. Divided the army, sent one far behind the city, had another lure the people inside into the desert, set the city ablaze once they got there, and then slaughtered after them. (laughs) Tens of thousands of people died in this war. So many lives lost of their own people. They burnt down any villages in the land of Benjamin, slaughtered their cattle, and nearly destroyed an entire tribe. But some of them got away. They fled to the Rock of Rimen and survived there for months. Living on a rock. That's what you get. This is fine. How's it feel living on a rock? When the war had ended, all the leaders of the tribes met in Mizpah and swore an oath. As further punishment toward the Benjamites, they would never give any of their daughters as wives to them. But as time passed, the tribes of Israel began to grieve the loss of one of their own. 
Although this heinous act had been committed, they came to regret the severity of its outcome. To lose a whole tribe. Surely that is not what God had intended. They were given a patch of Canaan. They were one of the stones forged into the priestly breastplate. How could they, could God, let them be erased? But they had taken an oath. They all agreed. Never will I ever give a daughter to a Benjamite. If they went through with this, they would either be condemning them to death or losing them to other cultures or religions. They would be lost. Let me help you put this into perspective. Joshua doled out the land of Canaan, the promised land, but it was God who drew the borders and he was very particular, very particular about who gets what. The Benjamites got a little tiny plot in comparison to everyone else, but it is in the heart of the promised land, and it includes Jerusalem itself. Benjamin was the youngest son of Jacob and Rachel. You know Rachel, the wife Jacob actually loved, but he had to marry Leah with the bad eyes instead. Yeah. Ben was one of only two sons. I say only because it was a whole ordeal. And he was beloved by everyone, including God. God even gives him a review in the Bible. And it is, it is glowing. His Yelp reviews are excellent. Five stars. Deuteronomy 33.12. He says, I love this kid. <laughs> He's a good guy. It actually says, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. So Show basically, off. yeah, exactly what I said. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what he said and how he said it. He sounds like a show off. I'm beloved by the Lord and I rest between his shoulders. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. Whatever. So I'm just trying to explain the guilt they must have felt and why they believed the Benjamites had a divine right to exist. Their lands were granted to them by God, who clearly loved Benjamin. And the passage I just read could also be a justification for God's actions. He led the Israelites to slaughter twice, like I don't know, third time's a charm, am I right? Like, he really washed his hands of this one. He didn't want the Benjamites wiped out. And he knew in his omnipresent brain that it is all men. Mm -hmm. He heard a nap that night. He heard many a nets, many nights. He even saw men and women claim they did not hear what they did. And so he made them charge at each other again and again 
until they were ankle deep in the blood of their own people, looking around at one another, wondering what they had all become. Like Craig, he put her blood on their hands. And like Craig, he incited violence as a diversion from the guilt he felt from being complicit in what happened to her. Yeah. As they say, when you point a finger at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at you. And we don't even know how many fingers God has. Probably infinity fingers. Probably he's got infinity fingers, so that's a lot pointing right (laughs) back at him. Culpable in all of this, but also Craig. Fuck Craig. Hashtag fuck Craig. As I tried to say twice before, everyone made an oath about not giving daughters to the Bens, and that was a big problem because that would lead to their exile and extermination. So they're all still gathered in Mizpah. The leaders of Israel grieved for the loss of the Benjamites and presented burnt offerings to try and gain insight from God. Then they did a head count to see who all was there. It's very poor form to miss a meeting. And it just so happened that the representatives of Jabesh Gilead were not in attendance. Hmm. You know, poor form isn't the right word. It, it was highly illegal. It was highly, <laughs> it was highly illegal and punishable by death to not be at the meeting. You gotta go to the meeting. So with their still assembled army, they marched to Jabesh Gilead to put anyone who wasn't a virgin female to the sword. And this kind of blows my mind because they were all just mourning this huge loss. And then when they found out these people from the land of Gad were not in attendance, they they killed them. Ugh. But as I said before, tension and division was high. Yeah. So, fresh from a brand new slaughter, the Israelites go to the Rock of Rimmon, where all the surviving Bens were hiding, and they made an offering of peace. So the Benjamites returned to their cities, their very empty cities, wondering how they would repopulate them. That's when the Israelites got a super great idea. There was a festival in the land of Shiloh that weekend. Shiloh is in the land of Ephraim. I've been doing such a good job. You really have. You really have. I think doing the disclaimer up top takes the pressure off. It does. (laughs) Shiloh is in the land of Ephraim, where Craig is from. There would be dancing and merriment at the festival, which was very appealing after all of the murder um, and grieving that they just did. Here's the plan, the leaders told the Benjamites. You will attend the festival and hide in the bushes. 
there will be women there who are just minding their own business and trying to enjoy themselves. When they go out into the clearing to dance and you see one that you like, just take her and carry her, carry her off back to your lands. I want to punch. I want to punch. We cannot give you a woman, but we can allow you to take one. I want, I want to do punching. (laughs) I hate this. I hate this so much. I want to do a big violence right now. Fuck off! I will fuck off, Angela, because... Not you, them. No, no, no. I I, I will, because that is, um... That's the conclusion. No! Of the Book of Judges. (sighs) And the last line is, In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Emphasis on the he. Thus... There's our little bow. (laughs) (laughs) Lily. Sorry. Uh, I didn't write it. I mean, I wrote wrote it, but I didn't write the source. Bow made out of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I woke up my cat. She's wondering why I'm yelling. Because men, Winter. (laughs) You don't even know about that stuff. (sighs) I have no words for this last part. I have already said so many. I don't have to reemphasize the objectification of women more than this story already has on its own. It's obvious, it's maddening, and it has driven Angela to violence. I'm going to do violence. But we wanted to tell you this story this week. Because this is what is happening in America right now. One of the reasons why the Supreme Court wanted to overturn Roe versus Wade is because we are not meeting our domestic supply of infants that can be purchased for adoption. Never mind the issue in our adoption agencies. Never mind our corrupt foster care system with older, adoptable children in it. Never mind our nation's baby formula shortage. Never mind the women who can't safely give birth and might die if they do. Most Americans are collectively screaming right now. I have cried over this. Not for myself, but for the women and children, this will inevitably harm. And we know that scream. A lot of us have screamed that scream before. We have heard it. It is the sound of fear, injustice, and rage. It is the cry of a gnat. And I will not let it be drowned out by the voices of men and women who pretend they cannot hear it. I hear it. We hear it. And we refuse to bear false witness. To honor a gnat 
and this collective primal scream, Angela has written a song for us, for all of us. I know this is only a character in a book, but it is not an isolated incident. This is something that still happens and will still happen if people are allowed to be objectified and treated as property. So without further ado, this song is for Annette and for all those who sympathize with her. You may have felt alone, but you are not. This song is for you. Shadows danced along the desert sky I walked for miles Till I saw the light Thought I'd find promise In my brother's land Fell down at his doorstep But he did not let me in How was your sister? How was your daughter? Baptized by your side In the Jordan water You thought you could send off the blame Took every piece of me But you never spoke my name So I turned to sand I slipped right through the palm of your hand Summon me I am everything 
Thank you, Lily. You know, because you said and you were like, hey, do you want to write something? And I, then you gave me the heads up about this. And I think the thing that bothered me the most was that she didn't have a name. So thank you for that. And she didn't have a voice. And this whole everything in real life and also this story just just hits the part of me that feels like a caged animal and wants to do punching. Thank you so much for writing her that song and us that song. Yeah, it's for us. All of us. It was beautiful. It was perfect. You're beautiful and perfect. Thank you, Angela. You're beautiful and perfect. Thank you, Lily. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for telling this very impossible to tell story. And I'm done. We're ending it. You did it. You did it. (laughs) You did it. Thank you listeners for listening and bearing with us. Hang in there, kids. Well, listen, if this is your first time joining us, wow, what a doozy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's like the time that Lily said, hey, you want to watch Game of Thrones? And it turned out the first and only episode it I ever saw was the Red Wedding. I didn't wedding. know. We watched them as it came out. I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not saying it's not on you. I, it's just that's how I feel. So, yeah, if today was your first episode, uh, you know, welcome. It's not usually, but no, sometimes it's this heavy. Um, and the thing is, we really love bringing these stories to everyone in a non-religious format. So if you are liking what you hear and you would like to support the show and the work that we're doing, um, please join us on our Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Bible-ish podcast, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can not only support Bible-ish, but also get some cool perks, including things like we send you a postcard or we say your name on the show or a wine goblet or... <laughs> instant access to our complete directory of episodes, including ones you can no longer find on the public internets. And you want stickers? We have stickers. Do we, we have stickers? stickers? Yeah, we have stickers. We have them. We you do. want them? We yeah. got them. You want them? We got them. So join us at patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast and join the Bibleish fam. Or you can reach out to us at Biblishpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question you'd like for us to answer, that would take a load off my shoulders. So. <laughs> and we love hearing from people. So And please. we love hearing from you guys. Anything you have to say, as long as it is somewhat kind, is great. <laughs> Again, We are not here to mock or glorify the Bible. 
We are just two modern-day ladies trying to wrap our heads around an ancient text (laughs) of sexism. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.